I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th. And Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Dory Sheffier and Kate Spencer are the co-hosts of the award-winning podcast Forever 35, and they are both also authors. Dory is the author of Startup, a novel, and the memoir, Thanks for Waiting, The Joy and Weirdness of Being a Late Bloomer. She is also the co-host of Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. She lives in Los Angeles with her family. Kate Spencer is the author of the memoir, The Dead Moms Club. In a New York Minute is her first novel. She writes a bi-monthly column for InStyle, and her work has been published by The Washington Post, Rolling Stone, Esquire, Cosmopolitan, BuzzFeed, and numerous other places. Previously, she worked as a senior editor and producer at VH1. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband and two daughters. So today, we have two amazing women here talking about two different books, but they're podcast co-hosts, so this makes sense, I guess. <laughs> anyway, the first guest is Dory Shafrier. Did I pronounce it right? So say, You say hi now. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, I'm Dory. And Dory's book is Thanks for Waiting, The Joy and Weirdness of Being a Late Bloomer, which we have so much to discuss. And then Kate Spencer in a New York Minute. Hello. This is my voice. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And they are the co-hosts of Forever 35, which I wish I still were. (laughs) You know, whatever age you are, we like that's kind of where we've landed as people who keep aging beyond the age of 35, mm-hmm. <laughs> the longer we do this podcast. So funny. Um, I know you were talking on your podcast about 
how a new serum that you had tried made your skin brighter. And you're like, what did that even mean? But now you know what, it lo- what it's like to have bright skin. And you're like, don't even talk to me about bright skin when you're like 22. <laughs> like, you know? No, yeah. Well, that's the thing. All of these like beauty, you know, how I get my skin to be so great. It's always like a 25-year-old with just beautiful, dewy skin. And I'm like, you know, how about a 44-year-old mom who is like overtired and, you know, you get it. Moms don't have time for skincare, basically. No, they don't. (laughs) I know. My daughter this morning, my older daughter, I have four kids. My older daughter, who's almost 15, she came down this morning. She's like, I did my whole skincare routine this morning. I did all of it, you know, and she felt like she had just gone to a spot. I'm like, even if I did my whole skincare routine, it would take like two minutes. (laughs) That's the long version. (laughs) I do a lot of like half of my routine and then I get distracted by like having to do school drop off. And so then I'm, you know, like I never quite know what's on my face at any given time slash if I've brushed my teeth, which I think today I have not yet. Yes. We were talking about the glory of doing podcast ads, but this one sponsor, <laughs> I will tell you, and I'm not trying to sell it. So I won't even say anything. the mascara is so great that I can actually go out the door without having to put it on again the next day. Who is it? It's called Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes. We've worked with them. A mutual sponsor. Yes. And their their mascara is fantastic. It lasts for days. Yeah. So now I'm like, well, if I just wash underneath. (laughs) (laughs) Give it a week. Leave it on for a week. See what happens. I would. I really would. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anyway, Dory, let's talk about your book first. We have like so much in common. Oh, my gosh. There's so much. I know. I was reading your book and I was like... Oh my gosh, I need to like sit and have coffee with her and talk about all this stuff. I've dog-eared like a hundred different pages oh, of yay. your story. Anyway, why don't you why don't you give it a little synopsis? Sure. Thanks for waiting. Yeah. So my book is about being a late bloomer and kind of struggling with a lot of questions of like, are these quote unquote milestones that we're supposed to be hitting in our lives? Are these things that like we genuinely want, or are these things that we feel like we should want because of societal, cultural pressures. And the book is kind of about me navigating that in my, mostly in my 30s into my 40s. I'm now 44. And also along the way, meeting my husband on Tinder, struggling with infertility, quitting my job and deciding to become a full-time podcaster at 40. So, you know, I think the, it's kind of cliche to be like, it's never too late, but like, I think the message is that we we are continually evolving into the people that we want to be and that evolution like doesn't stop and like that's a beautiful thing. So true. I think your your French kiss on the basketball court really sealed the deal for me. <laughs> That was, to be fair, that was uh, the summer before eighth grade. So not something that happened recently. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean that. Yeah. She's not French kissing anybody. Well, I mean, you might oh, be. Oh, gosh. Well, not, yeah. And not and 13 that, year old boys. So, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think that brings up another kind of theme that runs throughout the book of feeling like, you know, I was always kind of out of step with my peers, which, you know, now that I can look back on things. I, you know, I don't know that I actually was, but I had placed so much pressure on myself to be doing things at, you know, exactly the same time as everyone else. And I think that that's something, well, I know it's something that a lot of people feel because I've heard from a lot of people about this. So, yeah. Did you ever read the children's book, Leo, the Late Bloomer? 
No. No. Oh my God. No. Oh my God. What is it? It's so good. I would go run and grab it, but I'll never be able to find it. But it's about a boy and his parent. He's, you know, it's about, he's the only child and everything he does all, he's a lion. No, he's a tiger. I don't know. He's a tiger. And all the other animals are doing things faster. So they all walk before him. They all, you know, they can even write in a straight line and his writing is all like, you can't even read it. And then his, and his dad keeps saying like, it's okay. Like you're a late bloomer, you're a late bloomer. And then at the end, he's like, I made it. And it's like, Leo gets it. Yeah. It really only matters that everybody gets there or at some point, right? This whole, um, the timelines are so artificial anyway. Mm -hmm. But I'm interested in your book too, because even though it was framed this way, I feel like you could have had a different frame and told the same story almost. Like your life story is just like the really interesting meaty part. And yes, I know you felt like you were a little delayed, but it easily could have been like, you know, like you're not like your novel startup, like startup nation or, you know, what to do. And, mm. you know, it could have been an advice career thing. You could have spun it that way and done it differently or like, oh, that's so interesting. A journal, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. the meat of the story had a lot of different applications and could have proved a lot of points because it's a really unique journey and you had a lot to say about it. And I don't know. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I never, I never really thought about that, but I guess that is, that is true. I, yeah, my professional journey was kind of meandering, but I did sort of find myself in these like, especially New York media, these kind of spots where, you know, in retrospect, it was like, and that kind of a, a very meaningful time for various reasons. You know, I worked at Gawker kind of at the height of when Gawker was, had, was powerful or whatever, you know, however you want to put it. And I worked at the New York Observer and Rolling Stone. And so, you know, at the time, I don't think I fully appreciated it, but now I'm like, oh, like those were kind of moments that don't exist anymore. Like that is a world that 10, 15 years later, like just doesn't exist. And so to kind of be able to look back and be like, oh, I was a part of that is kind of exciting. That's awesome. Well, it was funny to go from your book to Kate's book, which opens right at like one of the scenes essentially from your book where you're being laid off and it's slightly different. But I was like, oh, this is like exactly what happened to her. Totally, yeah. I mean, I feel like if if you worked in media in New York or, I mean, if you worked in New York, probably period, like you've gotten laid off at some point. So yes, I love that. I love the opening scene of Kate's book. <laughs> I actually, I, I spent like a morning at the New York Observer once when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I had actually kind of forgotten about it until you, until this part of your book. But I literally went and like sat at a at a team meeting for the day. Oh, wow. And everyone was like, well, this just happened. Who wants to go down to like town hall or whatever it's called, the mayor's office? And someone's like, oh, I'm going to go. And, da, da, da. and I was like, oh, no, I don't want people telling me where I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I was never really like a newspaper beat reporter. Like I was never the person who they were like, go down to police headquarters and right, like right, right. find out what happened. But that's, I mean, that's an amazing, that's a, that's a really hard job to kind of have to do that. So I always had so much like admiration for people who who did that job. Okay, Kate, tell your book just came out. Congratulations. Thank you. So tell listeners about your book and what it's about and all of that. Sure. In a New York Minute is, uh, it's my first novel and it is a romantic comedy set in New York City, but it starts in an incredibly unromantic way in which 
our main character, Franny, has just been laid off, similar to Dory's experience. And she's rushing to get back on the subway. Her hands are full. She makes it on a packed train at morning rush hour. And just when the train takes off out of the station, she realizes that her dress is not only stuck in the closed subway doors, but it has ripped down her back. And there's, of course, a moment of wardrobe malfunction panic, and then a very handsome stranger steps in to help her. And they have what looks like a very adorable meet cute that is documented by people around them and put up on social media. But in reality, their interaction was very awkward and they do not hit it off. And they leave thinking like they have nothing in common. And then they meet again and have another very awkward interaction. But of course, thanks to the the magic of New York City, my former hometown, they're brought back together again and again. And you know, by the end, they do realize that they actually have a lot more in common than they initially thought. And P.S. She's wearing a thong, right? Yeah, I believe she. I think she's in like her last, her last, her like embarrassing. It's either her embarrassing period underwear, or like the thong that she never wears, but she hasn't done laundry. She hasn't done laundry, and now it has come back to haunt her in this moment on the subway. Worst nightmare. Based on, you know, that that part of not doing laundry, definitely based on my own life. Um, I have not had a wardrobe malfunction like that, but we've all had moments. We've all had moments. I remember once in high school, I walked like from the 86th Street Crossdown bus. I must've walked five blocks before I realized that my uniform, my skirt had been tucked up in my oh. I know. I yes. still, I'm still mortified and look at this. Oh. 45 years old. So yeah, can't get over I- it. No, I once went to apply for a, a hostessing job when I was 18 at a restaurant in Burlington, Vermont, wearing a white skirt. And they told me they weren't hiring. And then the woman was like, just so you know, I can see your underwear through your skirt. Oh, no. It was so humiliating. It was so humiliating. I've never, yes, I've never forgotten it. Oh my gosh. And Kate, I didn't have time to go back and read your memoir. Also, The Dead Moms Club. I'm so sad. I mean, tell me what what. what Tell me about that. What happened to your mom? My mom died when I was 27. She was 55 and diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she died nine months later. And it was a real shock to my system. I had lived a very privileged, blessed life in which I had just assumed my parents would live till they were, you know, 95 and then like die in their sleep. And so it was a real shock. And when I came out of that experience looking for kind of community or books that captured what I was feeling as like a young adult who's just lost a parent, I really didn't find much. I was the first of my friends to lose a parent. There wasn't a large kind of grief community yet that like, you know, that has really kind of blossomed, I think, thanks to social media, which has been amazing. So I really wanted to write a book, not just about my experience kind of in the aftermath of grief, but a book that could also kind of help people or feel like a friend or someone who had been there. Obviously, grief is such an individual experience. And, you know, my experience losing my mom is different from the next person. But I do think there are some kind of universal feelings or moments or experiences that come with grieving uh, that we can all connect to. And so that is what I, I hope to capture. And it's it's been, I mean, amazing is the wrong word, but it's it's so moving because I hear from people, you know, almost daily who have just lost, mostly it's their moms, but other, other people they love and have somehow found my book and, you know, they feel connected in that way. And that, that was extremely, or has been and continues to be really gratifying. 
So my husband's mom passed away from COVID yeah. um, two years yeah. ago. So now I'm, I was thinking, so is this a good book for someone who's recently lost a mom? Like, is this good or is this more like you want to reflect back later? Or No, you know, it's so interesting because I get asked this question often of like, should right. I give this? No, no. I, I think it's a really good question because we don't, it's hard to know, right? Like, should I give this to my friend whose mom just died or, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know. I want to say yes, obviously, because I love my book, but uh, what if they read it and it's too much for them? But I think, yes, I think it's helpful just to have, I mean, books are such a support system for any, you know, any book. Like for me, I read a lot of romance when I was grieving and that was my support system. But I think it's nice just to have a book there, whether or not the person ends up touching it. Like you never know one day they might just like turn to their bookshelf and see the title and be like, oh, that's what I need today. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yes, I think it would totally be appropriate. And I would be honored to to share it with him because it's, you know, what I've learned as I've gotten older is that no matter how old you are, grief, is the most, you know, losing someone is such a painful experience, no matter if you've had them in your lives, you know, for 90 years or 50, you know, my mom was only 56. It just, it it always hurts deeply. I'm so sorry for your loss. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm looking forward to your memoir. I'm, I'm excited to read it. I'm, Thank you. Yeah. I know you've written about grief too. And so I, I, I think your work it has the same impact. I need more arcs. I need to like, I want to send it to every single person. It goes it's on so my pocket. hard, I, right? You know, I, maybe I'll just start emailing, you know, PDFs around or something. But anyway, <laughs> like, like, don't forward this. But I, you need to read this right now. Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off. 
$72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time. Oh my gosh. Wait, okay. So then talk about how the two of you started your podcast and the, how it's blown up and become this whole successful full-time thing. So talk about that. Well, I think we need we need to start by saying that we met on the internet. We met on Tumblr. A in- true modern love story. <laughs> in 2008, we were we followed each other on Tumblr and kind of became friendly on the internet, but we didn't meet IRL until we both lived in LA. And that was around, I moved there in 2013. Kate moved a couple of years earlier. Anyway, and then fast forward a few years and Kate texted me, do you want to start a podcast about skincare? And it wasn't like this, like came out of nowhere. Like we had definitely been having these conversations with each other, like whether it was over text or, you know, on Facebook or wherever. And we felt like there wasn't there weren't people talking about skincare in the way that we wanted to like hear those conversations. And kind of like I was mentioning earlier, like a lot of these conversations were being had by people who were very young, or at least younger than much younger than we were, who had different lifestyles, different skincare needs. And we thought like, where are the people talking to us? <laughs> and so that was kind of the impetus for it. And I think it also emerged out of like a very particular political moment when, you know, Trump had been president at that point for almost a year. And I think a lot of people were feeling a sort of despair and people who had never been interested in beauty were suddenly like turning to skincare as this sort of salvation, like just, you know, this mode of self-care that that felt like a refuge in the face of so much turmoil. And so we kind of wanted to capture a little bit of that and then just sort of evolved. Like now it's kind of evolved into more self-care sort of broadly defined. I don't know, Kate, what else? What else? I think, I think you summed it up perfectly. I mean, I think what we've what we quickly learned, I think within the first few months of doing the podcast is that self-care is such an umbrella term and can mean so many different things and different things to different people based on their life experiences. And it's just been an incredible learning experience to get to... We've spoken to so many interesting people uh, and to really get to deepen our understanding of what it means to practice self-care slash get a lot of really great skincare and beauty recommendations, which is always so fun because we'll be talking to someone about, you know, a very serious topic. And then we'll at the end kind of switch gears and be like, by the way, what is your morning skincare routine? Because we, we need to know, you know, these things we, we contain multitudes. So I think, you know, I, I think both Dory and I, you know, we don't, believe that things like skincare or taking baths are frivolous. They can really help at a a crucial time in one's life. But we also have really come to understand things like community support, mental health support, financial stability. Though These things are also a huge part of what it means to take care of ourselves. I love that. And do you both live in LA now? We do. We're We're both from Boston, lived in New York City, and now live in LA. We've just been kind of following each other 
<laughs> across the country, but only really met as adults, which is another really kind of lovely thing to get to explore what it means to have an, a, a friendship that you make as an adult. Mm-hmm. Because so I know a lot of my close friends I met, you know, by the time I was 18. Uh, so that's been really, I feel like a really rewarding part of our partnership as friends and podcast hosts. Well, I, I actually, I'll be in LA for these two events for my Princess Charming book on May 15th, 16th that weekend. Oh, if you want to come out, nice. one's at, uh, on Friday at the Village Well in Culver City, and then one's that Sunday. I don't even know what the date is. Um, at Pages in Manhattan Beach. It's Great. Kind of part of town you guys live in. But, oh, uh, cool. I mean, everything is far away from you in LA. <laughs> you know, like there's no... <laughs> You never live close to anything. So one will be doable for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So on the book side, what is coming? Are you guys working on independently new books? Are you going to do a book together? What's the plan? I am working on my next fiction book, which is also in the romance genre. That is my favorite genre to write in and to read. And that should come out sometime next year. The manuscript is with my editor at the moment. Congratulations. Thank you. Does it have a title yet? It doesn't have a title. That is the, that is a hot topic on an email chain, mm-hmm. but it is it is a kind of second chance romance set at a sleepaway camp in New Hampshire between mm. two two adults who met as kids and are reunited again as grown-ups. Oh, and my grandparents met as counselors at a summer camp. Thank you. <gasps> The, the, the summer camp love stories are my absolute favorite. So I'm channeling all that energy into this book. I love it. That'll be a great summer read. What about you, Dory? Well, so I wrote a novel that came out in 2017 called Startup. Mm-hmm. And I think writing a memoir, I don't know if you found this as well, Debbie, but I found writing a memoir to be extremely draining um, and <laughs> overwhelming. And I am planning on returning to fiction. Awesome. <laughs> so. I, I didn't find it draining because I at least knew what I had to write about. Do you know what I mean? I feel like fiction totally. can be a little overwhelming. Yes. You could write about yes. like anything, not even in the universe. Like in That any- is true. That is true. I think it was just that I was, I was revisiting. I hadn't quite like when I, when I decided to write the memoir, I hadn't quite like realized that I would be going over some like very painful episodes of my life. And I would have to be going over them like many, many, many times as I wrote and rewrote and edited. And that was just a little like, oh, okay, we're, we're going through this again. So anyway, I, I have some ideas floating around and hopefully we'll figure that out in the next few months. Awesome. I love it. So cool. Okay. Any advice for aspiring authors from the two of you? My advice is based on something that we hear a lot from podcast listeners, which is, I don't, I don't want to do X thing because it's already been done. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like the biggest thing to just kind of get over and try to move past. Because if you start thinking that way, you're going to, you'll never write anything because you'll feel like every story has been told. And that's just not true. Like your story has not been told. So that's what I try to tell people who feel this way. And I have definitely felt that way. Like I'm not immune to these feelings either, but yeah. I think for me, one of the greatest, my own personal learning experiences now having published a a couple of books and having another one on the way is how true Anne Lamott's chapter in Bird by Bird, Shitty First Drafts is. And I read, I go back to that book and to that specific chapter so often in my life because 
I think we expect the things that we write to be perfect and polished on the page instantly. And I think that's probably because, you know, we're reading books that have gone through incredible revision processes, but we don't, we don't see that. We just see the finished process. So there's a lot of this internal pressure for this kind of the things that we are writing to be quote good instantly. And I, I truly think like anything, you have to really build a, a piece of work and it's got to start in the most bare bones, basic, it can feel so bad and it will, it will read, it could be terrible, but there's, you cannot, you cannot revise or make something better unless you have words on the page. And that is a a painful thing I have to learn every time I sit down to write. Uh, This is an ongoing journey. And I think it is for most writers, but I think a lot of times we let that stop ourselves from, from doing the work. So we're like, this is so bad. I could not, you know, Good, good Lord. But truly, that is how every great thing starts. I love it. Very cool. Do you have an exciting guest or two or favorite episode to, to plug for Forever 35? Oh, my gosh. I mean, we, we, it's, sometimes I look back and I scroll through all, all our guests and I cannot believe how lucky we are to have talked to some of these to all of these people. You know, we did interview Madeline Albright, which I think was a personal highlight for both of us. And having her recently passed kind of just reignited my love for that interview. I was like nervously quaking and almost in tears sitting in my closet trying to record it in the pandemic. And Elizabeth Gilbert's episode is really wonderful. And then another one that I know Dora and I both love is we talked to Samantha Irby, who's also a writer. And she's just so funny and brilliant and also came in with some great product recommendations. Amazing. Dory, do you have, did I, do you have any others that I, I mean, there's, there, it's there's, like endless. Yeah. I mean, those, we were so lucky. Those, those were definitely some, some highlights that like, that I remember. And, you know, we get to talk to so many great authors, like Danny, I, you know, I, th- I was thinking about Danny Shapiro's interview the other day. Like I just, I just, I feel, I really do feel like hashtag blessed. Yeah, same. Um, that, I, same way. That we've gotten to talk to all these people. So amazing. We love it. Great. Well, I'm happy to come on your podcast if you ever want another. Yeah, guest. you got to. Yeah, we've let's gotta, do it. That would be amazing. I would love, we got to hear about the bottom this. of the barrel or anything. <laughs> no, we got to no. hear about your two minute skincare routine yes. slash your mascara recommendations. Yes. I mean, there's a lot to talk to you about. Don't worry. We will, uh, we'll keep you for like, two hours. Just really pick your brain. (laughs) I know your episodes are long. I'm impressed. They are. We could gab. I mean, there are some days, Dory and I could just chat all day. We've been doing this for four years and we sometimes are just yammering as we say. I love it. That's great. That's awesome. All right. Well, it was so great to meet both of you and to spend time with both of your books and get to know you and, and all the rest. And I'm sorry I didn't get to your first memoir or your first novel, but anyway... <laughs> Please. Um, this is so fun, Zibi. Thank uh, you so much for having us. Yeah, on. thank you so much. I ho- I really hope to meet you, not, even not at an event, but just sometime in LA. I would love it. I'm out there a lot. So likewise, that'd be Let great. Us know. Yeah, Let please us do. Know. Okay. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.